the faces. Changing. The way you felt about me and the way I felt about you. In here, there were two guys killing each other. But I guess that's better than 20 million. Я думаю, что это лучше, чем даже 20 миллионов долларов. So what I'm trying to say is that if I can change, я думаю, что каждый тоже изменится. And you can change. Вы можете измениться. Everybody can change. Каждый может измениться. Bonjour, bienvenue, welcome on the howl to Crafty Cox's Excellent Adventures. Another couple of hours of uh, tunes, chat, chittling, lovely bit of glasnost there from uh, Rocky Balboa, ending the Cold War. So, let's get going. <laughs>
second favourite Hancock, Herbie Hancock, uh, with the main titles from Death Wish, followed up by an American 60s band, the song's called Eight Miles High, and the band are called The Byards. Oh, how many weeks of house arrest is this now? So loads of people posting stuff about letting their hair grow, not shaving, wearing pyjamas, not bothering to get dressed. But I wonder how many of them are Wrapped in a blanket, naked, smearing feces on their living room wall. Not many of them. Not many of them.
was a brace of Irish bands in reference, cheeky reference to uh, my IRA hunger strike joke. Um, the first, the first one was from Thin Lizzy. Don't believe, don't believe. Oh, what is it? Don't believe something. Um, and it's my favourite Thin Lizzy song. And then from Northern Ireland, you've got Stiff Little Fingers. Got to get away. Right. What's next? Uh, true or false? I think. Um, so this week's true or false. Morrissey, the pop singer, represented Lancashire boys at rugby when he was 15. True or false? And we'll have the answer to that later. Way down deep in the middle of the Congo, a hippo took an every caught the rubber and the mango. He stuck it with the others and he danced and he tangled. The rhino said, I know, we'll call it Umbango. Quality Afrobeat and a quality fruit-based drink. Very excited by this week's special guest. So excited I don't even know who it is myself. So, of course, as always, get guessing what that said guest's favourite egg dishes. Hmm, I wonder. Man, that is what the internet is for, and so is this. It's Mighty Baby, one of the best 60s bands I've never heard of.
superb steel pulse with Prodigal Son from Handsworth Revolution, my favourite reggae album. And prior to that was Mighty Baby. There's a bit of a connection with the song I played last week by a guy called Reggie King. Um, because he fronted that band, they formed out of the ashes of 60s mod band The Action. Superb piece of late 60s psychedelia. This week's <gasps> fall.
prophet that was Mark Edward Smith predicting the future of modern football. And that goes to the FIFA, the FA, all the bigwigs at Sky, BT and all the idiots who think it's clever to restart the football season. Fucking hell, 30,000 people in England have died alone of this virus. And it's just fucking football. Even I've got over it and I love my football. Just fucking forget about it until this country is better, the world is better, the virus is under control and we can actually think about things that mean quite literally nothing in comparison, like football. There you go. Um, right, on with the show. So next couple of tracks I'm going to play. I'm not going to tell you who they are. You can guess.
skin turn inside out Cause I gotta have you on my wall Gotta have you on my wall Cause I want your skull I need your skulls I want your skulls I need your skulls connection there of course you did um three cover versions not two as previously advertised but did you spot the real connection there of the cover versions I'll tell you they are so first up was a soul singer with an amazing voice called charles bradley did a version of black sabbath's changes um the last one was the Lemonheads doing a version of the misfits skulls and the wonderful creamy lovely unctuous sandwich filling was man i love a total man crush on him greg dully uh, and his um, vehicle uh, for his musical endeavors that was the twilight singers doing a version of uh, the ramones too tough to die clearly there's a connection of three covers but the hidden connection is there's three cover versions of bands that i think are completely and utterly overrated you may disagree with this i don't really care it's my opinion and my opinion is, is my opinion. Um, but what I will say is if their execution lacks somewhat, then certainly they can all write a decent song if people are covering them. So there you go. Right, this week's coil. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is moon music. In the light of the moon. worship at the church of john and sleazy that was coil from music to play in the dark which is really good music to play in the dark and um i my most fond memory of listening to that was when i had to share a triple room with two holiday reps aging holiday reps from uh, newcastle and they were a bit pissed one had a cold soon a bit sorry for himself bit fluey high temperature and I had that on loop throughout the night. Um, weren't massively impressed and uh, moaned about it quite a lot ever since. Anyway, welcome. I don't, know, I don't feel as prepared this week um, and I've kind of ad-libbed. But I think it's flowing together quite nicely. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, coming up, of course, we've got the answer to true or false. And we've got this week's special guest who, with uh, nearly 20 minutes... No can't count 45 minutes of the show left to go i still don't even know who it is so anyway here's a song for another flammy flanger the veritable big dog robbie williams who on friday night treated us to a feast of mexican tunes um and this goes out to him big dog the ultimate in yacht rock let's do it
for us hash browns? No, uh, I specifically said hash browns. You had one job and you fucked it up. That was the wonderful Christopher Cross and Sailing setting the blueprint for the birth of emo music. Um, it doesn't take an awful long leap from there to Sensefields and I'm all the more glad for it. So while we're talking about flammy flangers, which I was before I played that song, I'm not talking about now. Well, I am now. Um, I'd like to check in on the man they call the Arboretum, Keith Moon. It's Big Crag, he of the Cock Rock lockdown on um, Friday night. And as always, I want to check in to see how he's overcoming the bereavement of Glenn Frey from the Eagles, who sadly passed away. Uh, he was electrocuted by a faulty hairdryer while staying at the Hotel California. But anyway, Craig, how are things this week? Any better? Uh, it's still fucking annoying. God damn you, Glenn Frey. <laughs>
them to the beach. Turkey? The, f <laughs> the first thing you buy in a supermarket. Uh, turkey. <laughs> a food often stuffed. Turkey. <laughs> May 10th. Thank God for the rain. Just helped wash away the garbage and the trash off the sidewalks. I'm working long hours now. Six in the afternoon to six in the morning. Sometimes even eight in the morning six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. It's a long hustle, but it keeps me real busy. I can take in three, 350 a week, sometimes even more when I do it off the meter. I go all over, 
take people to the Bronx, Brooklyn. I take them to Harlem. I don't care. Don't make no difference to me. It does to some. Some won't even take spooks. Now, this week's special guest is one I'm very pleased to invite. It is the CEO of Jolter Press, a independent cider manufacturer from the Forest of Dean. His name? Don't make no difference to me. Is Patrick Locke. It's like you started a bit before me, actually, but nice to speak to you. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, not on, not on your gorgeous cider, obviously, because of lockdown, but uh, my Christmas Day was very much um, bountiful and pleasurable because of it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I spoke to the kids because um, they were quite excited that I was coming on the radio, and they said, oh, was that that fat man we met at the train station? <laughs> um, <laughs> little coats, uh, I bought them crisps. Quite a little meet up, wasn't it? Yeah, I bought them crisps. Fuck, you know, I'll tell you what, the fi- kids are like cats, they're just fickle. You know, they're all yeah. They're yeah. terrible, terrible. Of course, we've known each other for some time. We, we both served under the regime yeah. of. Um, yes, we have. Well, of whoever it was at the time, but we both served in uniform. So, you know, that, that's, that's clearly. A bond that never breaks. Um, and um, I think I hold the honour, actually, for when, when there was an election coming up and <clears throat> the local Conservative MP was out canvassing in Chicksbury and you had a day off and I walked past your house just as he uh, knocked on your door and you drunkenly came to answer it and your pyjama bottoms fell down. That, that image, uh, there's some things you just can't unsee, but yeah. uh, do you remember that? No, that's got to be a lie. That's uh, Sorry. That's got to be a lie. I can't, I can't have happened. No, no, I, mean, I remember I, things. I mean, I mean, there's been worse nudity that you've seen. Anyway, let's get on with this. So, so to, in fact, in fact, before we get on to it, tell us a little bit about Jolter. Because, um, because I started making cider nine years ago. And I made 30 litres, and it fermented in the basement cellar of a care home in Gloucestershire. <laughs> and we had a great time making it, and an even better time drinking it. And then I moved with a client who was going through a really difficult time to another place, which turned out to be this amazing care farm by the River Severn in Gloucestershire, and thus began a really happy couple of years where I bluffed my way through a lot of things. And... Um, took over an orchard and rediscovered lots of lost fruit varieties from the 1700s and everything like that and, and just absolutely lived and breathed it, became fascinated by it um, and then that kind of imploded so they gave me a load of equipment, they didn't mind that at all and then it was a, um, I, I still had their shed for about a year um, but there was a need to get the cider relocated and I live in Mitchelton so it was great to bring it back here um but at that point um it, it, it didn't have a name um and it didn't really have a hq or any any, any identity so that's five five years ago i could imagine it it's like jolter or well, that's a bit of a jolter is is that where the name comes from um uh, well i hated the name at the start and it had to be something forest of dean centric yeah and i'd 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 be out googling and looking through maps of old orchards. Any, anything that kind yeah. of meant a lot. And, and with and your binoculars. With your binoculars, which sounded, sounded like a lime green purple energy drink sort of thing. And I to, 
so so I hated the name. And there'd also be these funny little, funny, funny little tales from Joel Green, which sounded like they came from the 16th or 17th century, uh, but which in fact were um, early 1900s. Um, so anyway, I woke up, you know, to cut a really long story short, it's all on the website somewhere, but um, I just woke up one day and thought, that's it, Jolter. And then Crass got added about six months later, and um, and the rest is happening. Awesome. So, um, so, so obviously, very much wears its uh, Forrester Dean heart on its sleeve, which is which is amazing. And uh, when are you going to bring out a uh, a brand which is the the totem is the bear? Ooh, um, I'm just doing a range of um, bottle condition dry ciders at the minute. And it's called Forest Beasts. Um, so it's sort of like a big bottle. It's. Um, I've tried it. It's fucking I'm, beautiful. I'm kind of link it into this hashtag rethink cider thing, where cider, cider of hopefully of value is being thought of more as a good wine, which is how it used to be thought of. Um, well, that's just ridiculous. Uh, so each, each Forest Beast has. Um, that's ridiculous, though. By a lady called Peter Foley. And also, um, it's sort of like a poem as well, which Patrick. goes on by a lady called Maggie Clutterbuck. Yeah, Patrick. Um, Patrick, anyway, can, I, can I can I just stop you there? Hello. I yeah. love cider, but you can't compare it to a fine wine, surely. I mean, you can't compare a tramp's drink to, you know, something that people pay thousands and thousands of pounds for. Well, if if I took your line, I suppose I'd be looking back to sort of like the early nineties and getting fingered in a bus shelter whilst being sick. Um, but cider <laughs> hasn't always been like that. Was that you or me? And for sixteen and seventeen hundreds, the golden age of cider, you've got to think of the lord of the manor drinking um, the finest cider in his flute and having competitions with the lord of the manor in the, in the next parish and all this sort of thing whilst the serfs uh, uh, to toiled in the orchards and there was a lot of competition and um, some in English ciders at the time were being compared to the best of the French wines and then the Napoleonic Wars happened so it gained even more credence and then if you fast forward to the um, Industrial Revolution then there it was still okay it was st still a full juice cider but industrialization has played its part so now anything that you go and pick up at the supermarket yeah. um called cider it might have 35 percent fermented apple juice in it but that's as low as that they're, they're, they're allowed to go and the rest of it will be uh, water apple concentrate glucose additives colorings and the lot it, uh, we are talking about a full juice cider. It's a completely different. Oh, I know, mate. I know, mate. My my bowels knew about that on Boxing Day, <laughs> but the, but they they kind of clapped with approval at the same time. <laughs>
traditional Somerset sound goes to town, but tradition can mean all things to all men. To a sailor, it might mean... Okay, well... Yeah, I... I <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, your side is fucking ace. But we need... can we just get the all-important question, which is what everybody gets asked every week on this. What is your okay. favourite egg dish? Ooh, a victory egg. The fuck's a victory egg? Well, can I let you into a secret? Uh, yes. I don't like eggs. I don't like eggs and I don't like tomatoes. I think I, I think I hate tomatoes more and I can just about tolerate them in sauces and cakes as long as they're way down. Um, you don't put egg, you, you don't put tomatoes Sorry, in cakes. Like... What what sort of cakes have you been eating? You are. You can't put tomato in a cake. No, but you can have it in a pizza. I mean, I, 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 I can sort of tolerate it in a pizza. Where and egg, I can tolerate in a cake because you have to, don't you? I can't believe um, I, can, I can't believe this. This is like deja yeah. vu. This is deja vu. Have I ruined the show? No, not at all. Not at all. It just reminds me of. Uh, Bizarrely, having breakfast with someone in Switzerland and trying to make conversation and talking about eggs, and he he said, "Don't like eggs; they're all right in a cake." And I don't think I don't think I'd ever heard anyone say that, and I didn't think I'd ever hear someone say that ever again. But Patrick, you're the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, cakes, um, cakes is great. Easter eggs are great. Um, Cadbury's cream eggs are good. Um, but eggs, no. But Victory Egg, have you ever heard of a band called Cardiacs? I have, and that's a very good link, because I was going to ask you, just to split up this uh, interview, um, what song you were going to play. And I, and I have a s- s- sneaking suspicion that they might be the band. a song off of A Little Man in a House in a Whole World Window. Yeah. And so, having knowing that, we we won't talk about Cardiacs again for a bit because I shouldn't think you want to, but it it is actually a song. So I nominate Victory Egg. That's my favourite egg. Okay, well, let's move on to the song that you're going to play because it'll be a good interlude before I ask you some more quick-fire questions. I mean, I'm hoping that some of your audience may have heard of Cardiacs. Yeah, they, they will have. Studio... Sorry? They, they will have. They're, they're a polarising band. Really, yeah. I, I, I can't think, in fact, I can't think of a more polarising band where people go, fucking shit, or, oh my God, uh, and just get completely obsessed. I think the things that I like about the Cardiacs is they were inventive. Not that Cardiacs. Hey. Eh? Oh, cardiac, whatever. All oh, right, pedant. Cardiacs. Pedant. Cardiacs are the most polarizing of bands, and I hate them. I mean, I've I've been I've been listening to their music thirty two years, and I find it very hard to listen to anything else. So I've made it my life's mission to check every day five or six times just to just to reaffirm how bad they are. And I've, I've been doing that every day for about almost a third of a century, and and they're terrible. I hate them, um, and and they've ruined my life. Um, now I don't know if you know, but there is an underlying story. Um, Tim became Tim Tim Smith, the singer, became 
very ill in um, yeah. 2008 and now has a condition called dystonia. Yeah. Uh, which means that um, Tim's unable to speak and he hasn't got the use of all his uh, limbs and everything like that. So, um, bearing in mind also that the last sort of studio album release was in 1999, so we're now talking 21 years ago, okay, although it doesn't yeah. really seem it. Yeah. But the Cardiacs fan base is as fervent as ever. And one of the things I remember from the particularly the early 90s, is, is, is that you'd have a music press in the UK and it'd be the next big thing. It'd be menswear one week and Blur and Oasis. Yeah. I'd never been to a card cardiac gig which wasn't packed out and that's including University yeah. of London Union. And I walked in there and I could not believe it. Now, you, you would never have known that. But cardiacs weren't the best kept secret or anything like that. Loads of people know about cardiacs. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you... It's, it's, yeah, but it's funny you mentioned my blur because I know Graham Coxon is a massive Cardiacs fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they all went down the front, I think, I think at that gig and actually shook, shook hands with Tim. I mean, and then they put, put um, Cardiacs on supporting them at their... Um, they did. London gig in they the did. Yeah, they? yeah. Yeah, I think it was at the Alley Party, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the outdoor gig. Um, so, 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 so. That remains. Take, take, taking all that aside, um, Tim, Tim is ill now, and has been for twelve years. So, cardiac fans with their with with the absolute one-eyed um, loyalty and love that we've always had. Yeah. Organised loads of events. There's a massive scene happening of of bands that are offshoots of cardiacs and friends of cardiacs. Um, you only have to look into the relevant social media sites to gain a flavour of it. The the passion for this band has never dimmed, and and yes, it is an amazing secret, and not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. Um, but the people who are in the middle of it, it's their life, and it's mine as well. And, yeah. Um, well, for instance, I've made four, four four ciders for Tim and raised some money that way. Oh, I brilliant! So I did a cider and sold it at. The Salisbury gig two years before, so that would be 2017. Yeah. And I managed to get 15 minutes with Tim, and I didn't really know what his condition was. And I do work in the field of learning disabilities, plus yeah. I work with people who had brain injuries. Um, so I found myself talking to Tim and telling Tim what he meant to me. And I, I But I was looking for a response, and I didn't know how he was going to give it. So I just gave him my hand, and I said, if you understand what I'm talking about just dig your nails in or something like that <laughs> and he did <laughs> and, um, and then, then there was a tear coming out his eye and it's very hard to reconcile that image of Tim in a wheelchair with that guy who was the life and soul and the absolute leader of the starry skies yeah there's but what you mustn't be under the impression of is that Tim doesn't know what you're talking about Tim's mind is as sharp as a needle that's been sharpened on, I don't know, somewhat sharp. Which, which in um, some respects um, makes it all the more cruel, really. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like uh, the silence was kept for years, Coxie, and in 2019, in Jan January, um, there was an article um, in The Independent and a fundraising thing started straight away to raise £40,000 for Tim's care. Um, which would keep him going for a year. 
Um, the idea was to have specialists coming in, which yeah. would work towards getting Tim back in his own home and possibly be, being able to get back on the mixing desk and stuff like that. Now, £40,000 might have seemed a bit ambitious to some, considering that the band had not had a studio release for 20 years at the time. That figure of £40,000 was smashed in about 15 hours. Right. And it's now up to about 123 grand or something, something like that. Um, so you cannot underestimate, let alone the doctorate from the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. You know, it's great to have Tim, Tim recognised, but the fact is that Tim, Tim's music will outlive us all. Um, you know, he's been called the Frank Zappa of his generation and everything like that, but it's more than that. And, and anyone who saw Cardiacs, and I, I, I remember gigs at like Kidderminster Market Tavern and stuff yeah. like that, which is fa fairly close to you. Yeah, played played you know, there about three times. Yeah, you, you've all been in the presence of greatness. I hope you enjoyed the gigs. If you're listening now, please just um, consider Googling Tim Smith Cardiacs crowd funding. Uh, uh, Tim Smith Cardiacs just giving. Follow the links and just put put a few quid towards Tim because it will help. And also, if you're going to make any purchases cardiac cardiac related, um, just, uh, just do it through www.cardiacs.net and make sure it's the official stuff because again, um, Tim Tim will benefit that way. So you've chosen the cardiac song. You know, cardiacs must have I don't know three hundred, four hundred songs. Why this one? Facebook page recently and it was name your favorite um, top 10 favorite cardiac songs and it's just impossible because I stuck mine in and the next day I wanted to change six immediately because it's ridiculous um oh, why this one well I guess we live in strange times at the minute it's not getting any less strange um so um you know, a nurse is always worth a mention. So this track is called Nurses Whispering Verses. And um, can, can I just dedicate it to the lovely, lovely Kate and the almost equally as lovely Johnny? You can. Thank <laughs> you. 
China. Yeah, I think it was 96, and, and, and I, I know your station is based in Worcester, but I actually saw the North, Northwick Theatre on that tour. Oh, yeah? Um, up, up at Worcester. And it, it was a funny time for Cardiacs, because Heaven Born and Ever Bright had been released about three years before. Yeah. Um, I picked up some fans with that, and um sing to god the album which nurses whispering verses is from had quite a low-key release really and of course the music press weren't interested whatsoever yeah as per normal and so so they went on tour and they they were amazing but um that was possibly the least populated gig that i've been to well, it's, which, it's, which it's, in hindsight is is ridiculous because it's... that album which was a double not only stands the test of time, but it's got songs like Dirty, Dirty Boy on it as well. Yeah, Dirty Boy. And I Boy. remember at the Northwick Theatre at Worcester, but there were like, so, you, so you're talking about 96, so I'm about... Terrible um, venue. 30, 33 years old at the time. I'm 57 nearly now, oh, I think. Yeah. Well, and there, there were some insanely young young people there who, who, who were sort of 17 or 18 and had just found Cardiacs. And I remember thinking... This is a good thing, yeah. but of course, those young people who were bouncing around that night are going to be about forty on that lot. And, and some so of them time stands still for no man, Coxie, no yeah. man whatsoever. <laughs> and some of those people may well be listening because I do have some um, cardiac obsessives in my uh, network in Worcester for sure. Anyway, <laughs> let's stop talking about the cardiacs. Let's talk about something else. Cardiacs. Let's okay. let's. I think. I, They've they've had a, a a suitable eulogy and um I will I will and it's not over yet. Well it is. I'm telling you it is. No, it's not. Right, okay. No, so um so There's got... still one album potentially to come out. Okay, so um most watched film. Um oh, there's a few but if they're on I I can't not watch them and one of those is Shawshank. And I love trading places with Eddie Murphy and Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. Um, because Eddie Murphy's great. No, it's because um, it's because. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> um, but my but my all time film, and I've I've had a recent splurge on it again these last six months. Well, um, trading places would have to be with Nell and I. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, again, polarizing. I mean, I, I absolutely love with Nell, and I can kind. It, it, it's one of the things like the fall where people go. Oh, it's really pretentious, blah, 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 everyone copes it, Ooh. which the sort of thing which normally I would be like, yeah, fucking hell, wank. But it's like the fall. It's like, I, I get why you're saying that, but actually you're talking about sheer brilliance. And and that's, to me, what With Nail and I is. It just an absolute, captures a moment in time absolutely wonderfully. And, um, yeah, and, and, and in my old age, as I... Head towards looking like Monty. I, you know, that, that's quite comforting. Well, you've, you've you've certainly got a figure to match Uncle Monty. But I mean, if you consider that it was made in eighty seven, reflecting nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Um. Then they did quite a good job, actually. And I know what you mean about um about you know it used to be students quoting lines of Monty Python, didn't it? But now mm. it's like people quote in endless with now so i think it's a good thing that it goes underground for a little bit 
Yeah. Um, again, the fa- Facebook page, they'll they'll stick a random photo on. You've got so so many things you can talk about with 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 Nell, and ev- everything that comes back is funny. It does attract a certain type of people. I won't go on about it for too long, but Uncle Monty <laughs> just brings in such deeply disturbing overtones of being young and being um, the object of desire of an overweight, overbearing homosexual. <laughs> that, you know, I mean, I'm not being funny, but who, who, who couldn't laugh at that? Get in later. 
favourite place, Patrick? And I reckon I might know where this is, but... Um, uh, favourite place is a pond. Um, it has to be, really. Um, <laughs> sorry, cardiac to get. When we get together, we'll find a pub. And, and, like, it's not small numbers of people. You know, you're talking about some serious numbers of people will go to make a lot of sacrifices and get to places at obscure times for meetups. Is it? Is there, is there any? Is there any actual sacrifices? Because it's starting to sound a little bit cultish. Ooh, um, it's a terrible cult. Um, but yeah, we're quite open. It's no, no one wants to join us necessarily, and like, there's no one cardiac trap that you could say, "Listen to this, and you'll understand everything." It's just impossible. But um, yeah, so so we meet up, but like whenever I'm with that lot, um, I I know I'm at home. Um, and anywhere where my kids are, I'm at home. Yeah. And cider-wise, um, because Jolter has um, evolved into like a Friday night bar, which puts on events. Yeah. And it started from 30 litres, and now it's 6,999 litres for a reason. And um, it's become a sort of like an arts hub in the Forest of Dean. We've, we've got comedy nights at the minute, poetry, very strong on the poetry. And also the BBC came down to film a forest dialect play last summer, yeah. which went out March, so like, like there's loads, but also the other side of place that I love is um, a place called Broom Farm, which is the home of Ross on Y Cider and Perry. And when I went there, that was when I had my light bulb moment. Um, so I would say, Jolter, um, Broom Farm, especially the cellar, and um, the pond, you know, and anywhere with my kids as well. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Shitting in, <laughs> shitting in, in your toilet and drinking all your cider. I can't wait. It'd be fucking ace. Come and do it. Come and do it. It'd be Come cool and ace. Because and, like, we've had so much time to think about these things, but also it's given us time to think we've got to do these things. Yeah, and, it is. I, I, you, you can't keep putting it off because like we've had all the opportunity, but none of the opportunity. You've got to come and do it. Yeah. So, so anyway, so where I thought you might have suggested was uh, Wadden Road, which some people yeah. may know and so some people may not. But um, it leads on to my question about who who are your three favourite players or best players or uh, probably favourite players to pull on the jersey of your football team of choice? Yes, you are right. I should have mentioned that. That's a fact. Cheltenham. Um, first went in August 1970. So this August is the 50-year anniversary of me going with Grandad and Uncle Frank. Fucking hell, I should have mentioned that. That's, actually. that's bloody um, long time ago. Yeah. So um, about a year after that, um, Cheltenham, and don't forget, you're talking about the Southern League. So yeah. Cheltenham now is an established league club of 21 years. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't always that way. And in fact, to be honest, nothing really happened for 27 or 28 years. It should have been, just like Nirvana, where it should have been the Pixies, Cheltenham should have been Worcester City. Yeah, absolutely, because when when you're looking at the 70s, Worcester were right up there. Oh, totally. In those days, there was no automatic promotion between non-league yep. and the football league. Hereford got there in about 72 at the expense of Arrow. But it yep. was a very rare occurrence, a very rare one. Anyway, sorry, I'm interrupting. Carry on. Yeah, so anyway, 
In about 89, automatic promotion um, between non-league and football league became a thing. Um, but it, it was still completely out of Charlton's reach. Um, and then, obviously, in 1998, things changed. But during the 70s, Cheltenham had a player called Dave Lewis. Now, Dave Lewis, um, he, he looked like the team's coach driver. He was balding, fat. He looked like a cross between Jimmy Greaves and a dead mushroom, really. Um, <laughs> I just remember Dave Lewis. Fucking hell, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a forward, wasn't so he? he? He was quite bold with black eyebrows, really black eyebrows, some very black hair and sort of black eyes as well. Did, didn't um, he play up front? He certainly, certainly didn't look like a footballer. And I know you can say, well, Pat, it was, it was a Southern League Premier, the Southern League Division One North of the Midland Division. But Dave that guy Lewis. had the knack for being in the right place at the right time. And his career stats were something like, um, for Cheltenham Town, he played, I think, 520 games, which is probably never going to be, you, you know, that's incredibly rare, although there was one that played more than that. Um, so 520 games, he scored 290 goals. Fuck it out. Wasn't he from Bishop's Cleave? He, he, he's at Bishop's Cleave now, where uh, I think about 10 years ago, I think he received the award of Carlsberg's best bloke in football. Yeah, um, so there's definitely so a connection. Outside yeah. of the game were recognised, but the best thing of all is that he, he worked for the gas board with my uncle Cole. <laughs> but another thing is that if 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 Dave Lewis played against Gloucester, you'd win four or five nil, and Dave would score three or four. And 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 the other great thing is that in the late seventies, Old Altrincham were very much the northern version of Worcester City. Yeah, they they were always at the top of their yeah, re- totally. regional league. Agreed. And they were the team team most likely to go into the league. So anyway, Cheltenham tur- turned up at Altrincham the week after Altrincham had played away to Spurs in the FA Cup and drawn. Okay, so so basically, Cheltenham were from a lower league and had absolutely no chance whatsoever. Um, Cheltenham that night, um, on the way up from the southwest, the goalie's car broke down. The second choice goalie couldn't be contacted, so the team arrived with, I think, twelve players at Old Altrincham, who 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 were pretty mighty in the non-league scene at the time, just drawn at Spurs the week before yeah. in the FA Cup. And Cheltenham had no chance, and and Cheltenham had no goalkeeper. Dave Lewis went in goal with a pair, uh, uh, apparently a woollen tracksuit bottom and a, a rubbish shirt, and Cheltenham beat them 2-1 on their own turf. Work that one out. Dave Lewis went in goal. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out. Dave, 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 Dave... Out with every part of his body. Yeah, but Dave Lewis was about 5'7", wasn't he? Yeah, possibly less than that, but he won his fair share in the air. He was a bit like Alan Wright, who turned up at Cheltenham X Villa. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, be, because what Alan Wright did, he, he would go up for a ball with a player about a foot and three inches taller than him. And just before the player headed the ball, Alan Wright would push him forward, which made them go for, for, forward. The, the other thing was that old Altrincham that night, Dave Lewis earned the nickname from the Altrincham fans and from the Cheltenham trainer, the Flying Pig. Because he was not built like a footballer. He wasn't built like a goalkeeper. He wasn't even built like a centre-forward. Uh, even though he, he was he'd bit, done he, a trial for England under-18s on the wing, I think. Nah, I'll, um, tell, you, I'll tell you what, but, Pat, Pat. He was built like yeah. a supervisor in B&Q. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Or, or possibly a bit of furniture from B&Q. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, anyway. he, he, he 
Dave well, Lewis. And, and after the game, if I can just tell you, sorry, sorry to keep going on. Um, Gordon, Gordon Banks was at the match, and um, Gordon was asked apparently what he thought of the Cheltenham goalkeeper, which Dave Lewis wasn't a goalkeeper. And he said, um, Gordon Banks said, um, and of course, this is only about 12 or 13 years after Gordon Banks uh, won the World Cup with England. He said, uh, he's a bit different, isn't he? <laughs> and, that was, uh, and that was Dave Lewis, you know, Dave Lewis, um, 290 goals in 520 appearances, best bloke in football, worked with my uncle Colin, legend, yeah. he should not be forgotten. Okay, Dave Lewis is in. Next, Neil Grayson. Oh, Larry! Larry, come on, of course you know it's true. Neil, Neil Grayson's got four boys. Um, who I last saw about 18 years ago, who all looked exactly like Neil Grayson. Well, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. He's, he's got a slightly alien look about him, actually. I've often thought that, actually, yeah. Um, reminiscent of an old football card in a chewing gum packet you could get in the 70s. A guy called Alan, Alan Evans, who played briefly for Wolves and then for Liverpool. But he's got that look, but he comes from a different planet. But with Neil Grayson, he did. He came from Hereford. And um, the thing with Neil Grayson was that... Um, Big game player. Steve Cottrell, Steve, Steve Cottrell had got Cheltenham into the conference by the skin of our teeth. Now, we were 66-1, um, to 1, and we were favourite to go down. We finished second, and that year won the FA Trophy. And at the end of the season, Neil Grayson signed for us. Um, but he was... Ineligible for the trophy, unfortunately. But yeah, I remember that day. So, oh. nine, nine, so our year was going to be nine. Patrick, Patrick, um, Patrick, yes. Patrick, I remember being stood at Wembley next to you as the tears rolled down your cheeks singing Abide by Me. Yeah. It's true. Well, it never, like, like I say, by, by that point, I've been supporting Cheltenham for 28 years and nothing. Nothing had happened. So when it happened, it was all a bit much, wasn't it? And it, it, it brought on five seasons and three promotions. Being in the same division as Leeds United and doing the double over them, home and away, come on. Really? I've lived the dream, haven't I? Yeah. That's more than Albion did. But anyway, carry on. Larry Grayson, come on. Larry Grayson. Larry Grayson would run through a brick wall for you. And he did frequently. I think his career stats was something like 162 games and 48 goals, but he scored loads of important goals. Yeah, he, that includes the, he, the very he, end of his career when he was coming on as a sub and stuff like that. He was a massive, big game player. Every single time. And um, if you go back to April, it was about April the 2nd, 1999. Now, at this point, there were still five or six games to go for Chelsea for Cheltenham, and our rivals, it was really between Cheltenham and Rushton and Diamonds, and we had to play them away. Uh, um, so we turned up at Neaton Park at Rushton or Irthingborough in Northamptonshire, and it was a sellout. Now, the, the away end held um, about 1,700, and there were Cheltenham fans all around the ground, and there were 2,200 Cheltenham fans locked outside, and this was it. Now, it wasn't really the decider because there was still about five weeks to go but it was going to make a big difference anyway a pack ground we're playing all right we go one down after 20 minutes 
uh, to a player who played on loan for us against Birmingham City about eight years before um, in an FA Cup tie at Birmingham City, Miguel de Souza. But anyway, so time is ticking on. We're doing it all right. We're playing well. We're not doing anything wrong. Um, and then it gets to 70 minutes, 80 minutes, and we're still 1-0 one, one down to Rushton. Uh, 85 minutes, 1-0 down. The clock ticks up to 87, 88, 89, and we're thinking, like, you know, we're still doing everything right. We're putting pressure on. We're having most of the game, but nothing's happening. The clock ticks over to 90 minutes, so I think there's about three or four minutes of added time to be added. And then, so we're 1-0 down at Rushton, and then... Uh, uh, hopeful hoof up Phil from Mark Freeman. No, he went out to the left, didn't it? And across from Michael Duff, and Mark Freeman gets on the end of it. And in added time, suddenly it's 1 1. And the celebrations, I, I, I'm not even going to try to describe what it was like, but it was off the scale. It was off the scale, and it was all around the ground as well. So, like, in the last, in, in added time, we've saved it. We've saved it. We pulled it back from the brink. And that surely has got to be the end of Rushton, hasn't it? Because yeah. you can feel the deflation all around the ground. And, and, did, and, then, uh, did, uh, and then what? play restarts. Yeah, I know. I've seen this. Go and on. at this point, the um, local radio station cuts into the commentator at the match who is just trying to describe the Cheltenham goal. The ball over from Duff from the left with his right foot. Mark Freeman getting on the end of it. And at that point, something happens. Grayson basically gets on the end of the ball and skews it wide of the goalie. And the commentator shouts, fuck me, they've scored again and gets us off sand. <laughs> absolute pandemonium. And I, I can't even begin to describe it. Because I don't need to. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes. I, I watch a video a couple of times a year. And it's not going to help with me trying to describe what it was like, is it? It was the best. It, I, I, and Cheltenham obviously went on and won the conference and got promoted to the Football League. Yeah, Liverpool, Cheltenham Town in the Football League. I know. But I saw it happen. So I know it happened. Yeah, fucking nice. But yeah, as, as regards Worcester City... Basically, Worcester were always a bigger club. And for any Kidderminster fans listening, I'm sorry, but I'm 56 and a, nearly 57. Worcester is still a bigger club than Kidderminster. Oh, really yes. When did you last disgrace yourself? Oh. Well, it wasn't really my fault. Do you want to hear it? Oh, yeah, whatever. Fucking great start, but yes. Okay. I was doing some Wednesday deliveries for the um, local brewery just to finance what I was doing with Jolter Press Cider. And um, what happened was I loaded up the van. It was a Citroen Relay. Um, I got to my first destination, which was a hotel in the Forest of Dean. So I thought I'd turn off the engine because it was quite early. Pulled the key out. Engine kept running. Well, yeah. oh, that's not good. Um, half an hour later, I'm in Gloucester. I pull up outside the co-op in Gloucester, and suddenly the wind, windscreen wipers start going full pelt, and there's water all over the windscreen as if there's like buckets of water being poured all over it. It was like sur surfing or something. And at that point, I phoned, phoned up the brewery and I said, "Look, I'm not being funny, but have you have you done something to to sort of stitch me up because I'm expecting like the circus music to come in next. Well, the cardiacs. Like, this vehicle is not 
right, you know, I, like, I pulled the key out and it kept going. It's just gone mad on its own. But anyway, so I did that delivery and then I hurtled off towards Cheltenham. Okay, so I'm now in Cheltenham Spa and I've got to get down to a co-op in Charlton Kings. I'm, I'm going past the Mormon Church in Thurlison Road and the Ladies College and all that. And suddenly, do, do you want to know what I heard? I do. Anyway, that noise carries on for 20 minutes, basically, the horn got stuck. Um, when I first heard it, I thought like someone was behind me, warning me that the door was open and a barrel had fallen out, but it wasn't that. Um, so I kept going, kept going, kept going, but it was really embarrassing. And um, it wasn't my fault. Anyway, so I got to the co-op in Charlton Kings and I delivered there and it's still going. And, and like that doesn't really um, put over how loud it actually was. I mean, it was incredible. Um, so <laughs> delivered that. And then um, came down the narrow streets, back streets of Charlton Kings, and I thought, oh, God, this is awful. This is absolutely awful. But then it stopped. Um, so I was quite glad about that because about 50 yards ahead of me, this lovely little old man was helping his lovely little old wife into a car. And I thought, right, slow up because they're narrow streets. I don't want to cause them any stress or anything like that. So I pulled up about 20 yards from them. And then... And it, it, the poor bloke almost fell over in the road. I thought, oh, God, this is too my head in. Anyway, so that noise kept going for about three minutes, during which time I, I, I'd had enough of this. I thought, I've got to get out of Cheltenham. This is embarrassing. You know, you know it's not only embarrassing, it's making me oh, swear, and it's, it, it's awful. This is awful. So I'm then heading into Cheltenham with this bloody god-awful noise. I'm going around the ring road, and I thought, right, I've got to get out. Bishop's Cleveway, so on the Evesham Road, so if I can just get up past the race course, it doesn't really matter so much. But at that point, it stopped again. So I'm thinking, like, oh, that's good. And go for that. So I've got about three miles until this point when I know that I can phone the RAC because they'll be able to hear me. I'll be safe. I'll be out of town and everything like that. And it's not really going to matter. So I'm, I'm going up the Eastern Road. I've got Pitville Park on the left. I've got Pitville Park on the right. It's a nice sunny day. The families are out enjoying themselves and everything like that. And in about 100 yards' time, I've got a road joins me from the left. Out of that road on the left, 100 yards ahead, a car pulled out. That car was black. That car had a box in the back and white flowers, which spelled out the word dad. And I'm... Thinking to myself, oh no, come on, right, just just drive carefully, it's going to be all right, it's not going to do it again, so I'm following really, really slowly, I've got about 500 yards until the race course, and they'll be turning off right, and I'll go straight on, and it'll be all right. Well, you know what's coming next, don't you? <laughs> so basically, I've gate-crushed a funeral, I'm telling this guy to get out of the way, and at that point, if I could have swapped places with the guy in the black purse with the white flowers spelling D-A-D, I, I think I would have. And it wasn't my fault, but I, I felt in disgrace, I guess. So um, I, I'm going to have to pick that one. It was awful. On that note, Patrick Locke, a.k.a. Patty Lane, I would like to thank you for your contribution to this show golden stuff for people that like well just 
normal people who like having a laugh and football and music. I mean, fucking hell. It's all the seas, mate. It's cider, it's coxie, it's Cheltenham Town and Cardiacs, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, Christ, people who don't get that, I won't get them. So, yeah. Yeah. Mate, I I love you. It's been nice talking to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, the answer was false. Morrissey didn't play rugby. Saturday, strolling.